Hello everyone, welcome to Then Now Whatever, the wrestling podcast. It's our seventh birthday! Woohoo! I'm your host, Step Back, the police have been called, Duncan Joyce. I'm joined as ever by my co-host, I apologise ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr Kyle Cambry. Hello! Big long mark for our podcast, seven lucky years, so we're not only celebrating us as a podcast, but our lucky mascot, Random Steve as well! Good old Steve. We love a bit of hardcore Steve. <laughs> Kyle, do you want to let the listeners know what our intro was all about there? The intro is my my actual lines from Coronation Street. <laughs> yes! Which is, is really exciting. It means that I'm now on the internet, the streaming media forever, if you will. ITV... X, as it's now called, instead of ITV Hub, I'm there forever. That's quite exciting. I'm part of the Coronation Street cinematic universe. <laughs> yes, it's canon. Kyle's part of an official northern institution. <laughs> and it was genuinely Kyle. It's not like that deep fake whatever show that is that comes up every time I go on and watch Dynamite. Oh, yeah, that is strange. So yeah, seven years and originally with the way our schedule was going to turn out, this could have been our 50th episode, but we're literally heading towards the seventh anniversary of our first episode. Our proper episode one launched on February the 25th, back in 2016. We're tying it in with that and, you know, got to try and seize life. There's all kinds of things going on. Might as well just celebrate while we can, eh? Absolutely. Time flies when we're having fun. It's unbelievable that we have hit year number seven. Yeah, it's crazy to think how much the wrestling business has changed since then too. Oh, absolutely. Kyle, do you want to let the listeners know why you might be a bit busier now than when you started the podcast? Yeah, I am going to be a dad. (laughs) Which is... Exciting, but also scary in the same sort of thing. I'll be honest, it's still not sunk in until baby arrives, until I can physically see something. At the moment, it's not real. (laughs) It's quite a strange strange feeling, but very exciting. Very, very exciting. It's really exciting, yeah. It's such a delight just seeing all the scans that you've been sharing. It's like, I can see a face now. Oh, my God. Oh, it's incredible. We've got A, the smallest ever podcast listener. <laughs> and we've got the smallest and youngest Triple H fan. <laughs> You're going there playing my time on your Bluetooth speaker and putting it up to Steph's stomach. <laughs> oh, congratulations, mate. Thank you so much. So after seven long years, I've got some little tidbits for you about the podcast that you might find uh, interesting. Stop me up. (laughs) So this is all through our SoundCloud page. Spotify has some different stats, but I don't think many people listen to us on Spotify. I wish it was all kind of unified, but... Yeah. 
as of recording, we've reached 6,275 plays on, on the SoundCloud. Wow. That's mental. Let's take a rundown of our top 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. Number 10, it's episode 39, which is the Roy's War from November 6th, 2000. It's the night that we found out that Triple H was the mastermind of running Stone Cold Steve Austin down. That's one of the raw episodes that sort of and it's, it's quite good that we, we covered it. It's, you know, when someone says to you, a raw episode that sticks out, that's sort of one of those that hits that list. We get the big reveal. And yeah, it was it was good going back watching that. Yeah, chock full of revelations. In at nine, it's episode six. Remember WCW Mayhem 1999? Anything that we did, WCW, I quickly deleted from my brain, I'll be honest. (laughs) (laughs) What an absolute shit show their shows were. (laughs) Yes, we still need to find a show to convince you there. Maybe that will come down the pipeline eventually. (laughs) In eight, episode 41. Smackdown from October 12th, 2000. That's when we brought Leon for the Tape Trader Diaries. Perfect, and it's always nice to speak with Lee. Uh, that was a very good episode. Everyone give your love for Lee at Roy's Nitro Podcast. The Australian branch of the WWE Network got shut down and moved over to a new service called Binge, and it is shite, and there's no archive content up there right now, so. That's a shame. I'm dreading, it's bound to happen over here at some point. Yeah. And number seven, episode 12, WrestleMania 33. What a show. Cracking show. And again, I don't want to shit on WCW like I always do, but we, any show that we've covered, regardless of the odd match that's been like, oh God, this has been horrendous. We've got a good record of good shows that we've been able to cover. I think we've had a good run, yeah. I think we stopped doing modern WWE at the right time, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are some bright lights at the moment, but no, I I, I get that that was a good thing. <laughs> In at six, it's episode 40, Armageddon 2000. Great, great show. Six-man hell on a cell, all sorts of antics going on there. Anytime anyone talks about that, I automatically just think of Rikishi. He essentially did a Shane McMahon fall of just, I'm going backwards, and that's it. (laughs) Pray for the best. (laughs) Number five, it's episode 38, Roy's War from October 30th, 2000. That's where Paul Rikishi got squashed in the cage match by Austin and Rock and Jericho main evented. Number four, it's episode 42, the 2001 Royal Rumble. Bloody love doing Royal Rumbles. Royal Rumbles are, are fantastic. They're one of the pay-per-views, no matter whether we're covering it on the podcast or whether it's you know it's an upcoming pay-per-view. That is one of the only ones throughout the year that I'm like, I'm absolutely watching this live. Now that I'm on the network more sporadically, it is... Uh, 
consistent resubscribe point for me. In at three, it's episode 37. The UK No Mercy 1999 pay-per-view. Literal WrestleMania 2000 on the N64 come to life show there. Yeah. <laughs> Our second most popular episode. Thing that has irked me for years and years. Episode 3, WrestleMania 32. With a shitty inbuilt <laughs> laptop mic. And not the fucking <laughs> Yeti mic that I hauled all the way to college. Oh, yes. But... You know what? It's part of our history and we were only just starting out and do you know what? Episode 3 being so high, hats off to it. (laughs) We must have done something to strike a chord with people back then. Yeah. But our most popular episode is episode 28, Wrestlemania 35. Wow. That's interesting. Probably one of the Best feel-good WrestleManias in a good long while. And probably one of the motivating reasons to split it to two nights. Yeah, true. Are you ready to run through the League of Nations that listen to our podcast? This is interesting. Okay. What do you think is the country where we are most popular? See, you're asking me this question and... I'm probably going to be nowhere near, but I'm going to I'm going to give it a go. I want to say a European country, and I'm going to go with Holland. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a laugh? Because I'm absolutely way off. Well, they are in there somewhere. Oh. <laughs> so this is going in reverse order from most popular to least. Okay. At the top, you might want to get the Animaniacs video ready going through all this. <laughs> we have the United States of America. Canada, Mexico, Panama, wow. Italy, Jamaica, Peru, it's like roughly two-thirds of our plays are from there. Do you know what? That makes sense. <laughs> Why did I choose Holland? <laughs> but I was thinking that it would be completely out there of a country that listens to all our stuff, but... You know, if we're essentially reporting on American events, then of course they're going to listen to us. Yeah, of course. Then it's the UK and followed by Germany. Germany. Australia. Hello, Lee. Yeah, hi, Lee. Canada. Hello, Steph. Amazing. The Russian Federation. Okay. Ireland. Nice. Belgium. Okay. Japan. Cool. Singapore. Hi, Jason. (laughs) France. India. Here's the Netherlands. Hey! Egypt. Mexico. Egypt. One that I, I would never have guessed was up there. No? Never know, might be some expats there or something. Yeah. The beautiful and progressive kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Yep. Pakistan. Brazil. Ukraine. Slovakia. Spain. Jersey. Argentina. 
this is where you find out some of the actual proper formal names of these countries. The plurinational state of Bolivia. <laughs> okay. And then Colombia, Malaysia, Peru, El Salvador, home of Wanderers alumni Ricardo Vaste, Guatemala. I mean, this list, we're international. We missed the worldwide, baby. <laughs> oh, if only I liked Pitbull. Absolutely detest that guy. <laughs> so someone asks you to give you the green light, you like red light immediately. Absolutely. <laughs> Next up is Israel, the Philippines, the Republic of Korea, South Africa. Hey! Iraq. The Islamic Republic of Iran, Lebanon, Sweden, Chile, Romania, Algeria, Bhutan, Ecuador, Kuwait, Morocco, Paraguay, Poland, Portugal, Sri Lanka, the state of Palestine, and then finally Thailand. Wow. That is insane. I would never have thought that we've got listeners in all of those places. I wasn't counting how many places that you mentioned then, Dunk, but I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who is listening to me and Dunk talk about our passion of wrestling and us giving our hot takes on everything. And thank you so much. It does mean a lot to us. Absolutely, yes. Big thank you to everyone who's ever given our podcast a chance. We're just out here as hobbyists. And since we switched to the Tape Trader Diaries, this is just something me and Kyle do for fun to relive some of our favourite past elements of wrestling. It's basically the story of Kyle and my fandom. So you'll see that track out as we head through all, all of our tapes but Kyle the time now comes to turn to our other topic of the day our good friend random Steve how is Steve well from that picture that Matt Hardy shared the other year he looks bloody good yeah he does he does <laughs> it's amazing our story with Steve dates all the way back to our fifth episode. We went and looked at Unforgiven 1998 and we were a bit perplexed at what Random Steve was doing in the hot opening tag match. Remember Steve Blackman? Oh, I remember. Oh, I love Steve Blackman. (laughs) Our opening main event of the evening is a six-man tag team match. With a 30-minute time limit, apparently. It's the Nation of Domination, accompanied by Karma Mustafa, and represented by the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, D'Lo Brown, and the ruler of the nation, the intercontinental champion, The Rock, Rocky Maivia. They'll be taking on the combination of Farouk, the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock, and the lethal weapon, Steve Blackman. What's going on with Farouk here, Kyle? He used to be in the nation, right? Yeah, so what sort of happened was Farouk decided to leave The Rock on his own and The Rock got beat up The Rock then returned the favour and beat Farouk up and 
had the nation kick him out and Farouk kind of went on his own and turned face. Now, at the time, it's interesting because being a younger viewer, the whole face-heel thing kind of didn't resonate at the time. Mm. So to see Farouk not be with his brothers, if you will, was a bit strange to see and that they kicked him out of the, the nation. But yeah, essentially, this is what happened. So kind of Farouk instigated this. Maybe he was jealous that The Rock was kind of sneaking up, which is essentially the storyline they were playing, that The Rock was this blue chipper who was going to take Farouk's place. And yeah, that's that's where the split. Yeah, I think if you look back at a load of the nation's group interviews, mm. Rocky's kind of like mugging in a little bit, trying to get more of the attention. Yeah. But yeah, he's mostly been feuding with Ken Shamrock up to this point. They had an IC title match at WrestleMania. Ended in controversy. Mm. Steve Blackman. Any idea what he's doing here? I don't remember this. He's only just come into WWF. Yeah. He'd only been in a few months or I weeks. Know, Survivor Series 97 he came in yeah. or something. And he didn't really have any storylines. He was kind of just placed in these matches. And I think this is another one of them. Right, we need somebody in this match so Steve you, you mm. can kind of go there later on in the show there's another bit where it's kind of like what is Steve doing I don't think they had a place for Blackman you know his talent was there but they just didn't have a place for him essentially yeah the arena is just filled with huge Rocky Stokes chants at the start of this match yeah. he is so over the baby faces actually mimic the Nation of Domination salute which is really random. Watching it back again, I was kind of thinking, but why did they do that? Yeah, is it maybe is Farouk trying to make a point that he's got you know, people with him now again? Or yeah, but surely you wouldn't do the nation salute because Ken and random Steve is like, you know, <laughs> it just didn't make sense. Mm. So in the early goings, D'Lo does his shaky head thing right away. I loved it. And King puts him over big time as a big underrated talent. Similarly, JR puts over Steve Blackman for his quickness and balance as he hits people with ninja kicks. Shamrock had a cool looking rolling leg lock thing that just got a bit too close to the ropes. Lawler takes exception to JR calling him the king of the octagon. Did you see the dodgy bit where I think it was Shamrock was looking to tag out? He wanted to tag out Blackman. No, he wanted to tag it out. It was Farouk, Farouk yeah. yeah. But Blackman took the tag. Yeah. I don't know whether that was planned because it did. It looked awkward. Is it that same setting or was it a little bit later that then Farouk starts shaking his head because he doesn't want anything? Because that was awkward oh, as well. Right. Oh. Yeah, there's a part in the match where they go over to the corner and they go to do this, this sort of tag thing and Farouk kind of just shakes his head as if to say, I'm not tagging in. And I, mm. I was thinking... This is a bit strange. And they kind of pause for like 30 seconds and then carry on. I was like, hmm. There are some clunky bits in this match. I mean, JR did put over on commentary, this is the first time they're teaming together and the nation should have the advantage being a group for so long. So maybe it was deliberate, I don't know. We get a cool looking spine buster by Farouk blocking D'Lo's leapfrog. And then he whips him with his belt, like a government mule! <laughs> and he gets a massive reaction. Mentioning the awkwardness again. There's lots of spells where Mark Henry and Steve Blackman are in this match, and it gets a bit sloppy. D'Lo comes back in and hits a sky high at one point, and JR calls it, oh, it's a nice modified powerbomb. 
anything where someone gets slammed down and the person giving the move sits down with them. Jay, I was just like, oh, modified powerbomb there. <laughs> Rock would only tag in the match when Farouk was down and at a disadvantage. Yeah. Which is interesting. The Nation just basically run this match by using some pretty rudimentary brawling. And then out of nowhere, Rocky's in and he hits the people's elbow. Yeah. He doesn't even go for cover. He goes to hook a chin lock or something right afterwards. I don't know whether at the time is the people's elbow powerful enough. <laughs> yeah. It's not the people's elbow yet, is it? It's, no, not quite, it's the no. rock's elbow. Before he hits the elbow, he still gives a bit of a, a screw you to the guy before he hits the elbow. Classic heel rock. It's just so odd seeing that, though, because he pinned people, he, like, literally beat them with that move like, yeah. down, down the line. The crowd, they start to flatline a bit near the tail end of this match. Yeah. Anyway, D'Lo misses a moonsault, which allows Steve Blackman to tag in Farouk, and he runs wild. Everything breaks down. Rock DDTs him for a near fall, but then he f- comes back immediately with the Dominator. We actually saw a Dominator! Yeah. And he gets the free! And the babyfaces win in 13 minutes, 32 seconds. Interesting to me, there's an immediate post-match interview at ringside with Michael Cole. Well, uh, Smackdown have started to bring that in, haven't they? Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know whether it's the new format that Smackdown want to do, but Smackdown quite often kind of get the, the wrestlers after the match. Right. And Raw have done it a few times, but only to pump up Strowman. Well, yeah, I was going to say, Raw do it kind of the other way around. Yeah. You talk to someone before their match. But yeah, SmackDown have done it a few times. Recently with Ziggler and, and the whole Miz rivalry. So hey, Farouk thanks his partners and promises to kick his ass and the rest of them too. I presume he means the nation, not his partners. Yeah. What did you make of this match, Kyle? <laughs> it, like you said before, it, it was very clunky. And there, there were bits that were very awkward. It did come across as very tactical with the way that the nation came across with mm. Rock coming in every time Farouk was down, which was a nice story. But yeah, it was okay. I mean, you know, at the time when I first watched this, it was kind of like, this is my new thing to watch. Mm. So it could have been the shittest match ever and I would have enjoyed it because it was the new thing. And when it's a new thing to watch, you, mm. you enjoy it, don't you? So. I totally get that. This was still pretty solid for me. Quite hot at the start. They kind of lost their way in the second half, which you could tell from the crowd reactions, I thought. I was just disappointed. Shamrock was in this match so little. And his theme played at the end. When the team won, it was Shamrock's theme that played. Yeah. I assume because Farouk doesn't have his own theme yet. He may have got to show his skills as a random partner in a random tag team match, but Mr. Blackman's night wasn't done yet, as later on he would go on to interrupt the concert of a certain Mr. Double J. Don't worry, Kyle, because up next, we've got a little mini concert to perk up our spirits. <laughs> Howard Finkel introduces Tennessee Lee, and then he introduces the country band of the 90s. Sawyer Brown? Is that what they're called? Sawyer yeah, Brown? Sawyer Brown. Oh, never heard of him. They're backing up the most versatile performer in all of the world today. J-E-double-F. J-A-double-R-E-double-T. Ain't I great? <laughs> I really don't remember Jeff Jarrett having this country music singer gimmick for so long. No. How it lasted for as long as it did is just... 
Mm. All my memories of Jeff Jarrett are for the silver pants, don't piss me off. Yeah. Silver the, guitar. The shaved head. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The moment the fans see Jeff Jarrett, they chant, we want Flair. <laughs> he is just a knockoff Ric Flair. Yeah, watching this song, it looked like the actual singer was lip syncing as well. Because obviously Double J is. Yeah. That's his gimmick. Yeah. It's not a concert, is it? So oh, no. they, they could have... It would have made sense if they did, because isn't it supposed to be this bad band? Because if you're hanging out with Jeff, then you've got to be bad. I guess so. I mean, like the lead singer, his shirt he was wearing, yeah. he kind of looked like he belonged on Changing Rooms or something as one of the designers. <laughs> Jarrett's outfit was something else as well. Yeah. The little uh, mirrored vest thing. Jeff dedicates his performance to Tammy Wynette, and rather harshly, JR tells him, I can't hear you. <laughs> Jarrett can't hear you either, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Then out comes Steve Blackman. Random Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Filling time. In his really, really 90s looking sneakers with the white soles and the black rest of them. He hits a bunch of karate kicks on Jarrett and puts him in some arm lock. Only for Tennessee Lee to hit him over the head with the guitar. And Double J gets the figure four leg lock. Which draws even more We Want Flair chance. I think JR mentioned something here. Jarrett was the first person to beat Blackman in the WWF. Which is why they've got beef with each other. Yeah. It just seems really random. Number one, Steve Blackman doesn't have a place yet. Like, later on he gets... He's in the hardcore championship matches and, you know, he has his place and that's what he's good at. Yeah. His kendo sticks and... But at the moment, it just seems like it's random Steve. And he's just placed in these positions that just need a wrestler. Not necessarily they need Steve Blackman. It's just they need a wrestler. Meet in the room, so to speak. (laughs) JR says he was surprised by Jeff Jarrett's singing ability. You fucking mark. (laughs) (laughs) So there you have the birth of a podcasting icon. But such is life, it would take over three years and a global pandemic for Random Steve to make his return to the podcast as we started to dive in to the Tape Trader Diaries. We found ourselves looking at the UK, WWF No Mercy 1999, and naturally, Random Steve is filling out the card. We then get a video package for Steve Blackman, which is really cool. It would actually wind up being his Titantron, and it's soundtracked by what would later become his entrance music as well. Mm-hmm. That means, Kyle, we're getting the return of Random Steve. He'll <laughs> fill out any card. <laughs> random Steve, Random Steve fills out any match card. Random Steve, Random Steve fills out any match card. <clears throat> It's our third match of the night. The lethal weapon, Steve Blackman, taking on Droz. The guy you can throw up on command. <laughs> he's going to, he's going to, he's going to puke. Yeah, don't leave that out. <laughs> Beyond the Mat, on Netflix now, and me and Kathy watched it. Oh, Lord. It's very cringy. Very, very cringy. Blackman has his sticks, which is awesome. Meanwhile, Droz has a really big hat. 
And according to King, he has a face like a ruptured custard. What does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know if it's like when you get a bubble and it bursts in the custard. or like, When it sets a bit and the skin goes and you have to like break it up, maybe. <laughs> we get a thumb to the eye and a jumping back elbow by Droz, but then he missed a flying clothesline and Blackman counters with karate. <laughs> JR starts talking about Blackman's magical feet. Uh, magic. <laughs> he uses them for a baseball slide and a standing drop kick on the floor. But then his fez press is blocked into an atomic drop. And then Draws missed his stinger splash. Oh, but then Steve missed his second rope elbow. Nobody can hit a move. <laughs> There's a really good Northern Light suplex by Random Steve. And then a very, very slow power slam by Droz. Droz follows it up with the laziest elbow off the apron I think I've ever seen. Blackman got his foot up from a top rope nothing at a very impossible looking angle. And then he locks on the triangle choke to get the win at 7 minutes and 43 seconds. Bit meh. Jaws was a bit slow and lackadaisical, but it was mostly inoffensive. I'd hardly say it was a crowd pleaser, despite them having a nice couple of ideas, though. Yeah, I think it flowed okay, but it wasn't spectacular. This match is where I noticed why is the crowd so low? What? The front row is lower than the ring. Yeah, I don't think the, it's the crowd is low. It's just they've raised the ring higher up. It was really odd. When yeah. I think it was Droz got thrown to the outside and the camera like went to the outside. And I was thinking, shit, where, where is everybody? Maybe they could only get the hard camera at a certain position or something. But I've only ever seen them do this at UK shows. Yeah. It's still a learning experience, though. Like... This is like fifth or fourth page of the roster for WrestleMania 2000. Yeah, very true. And to be honest here, when I first got the game, I didn't even realise that you could press the shoulder buttons to get more wrestlers. (laughs) I thought like the first 10 that you see were all that you had unlocked so far. I'm like, where do I get the other people? That is amazing. (laughs) What a noob. (laughs) yeah (laughs) true enough (laughs) the next time we found Steve in episode 38 he was in his natural habitat at the top of the world as the WWF hardcore champion earlier today Trish Stratus tried to redecorate the newly christened TNAPA office with a velvet tablecloth and some flowers Tess Nelbert injured the acolytes a few weeks ago and forcibly taken over their office. I mean, I quite liked the idea of the candy in the cigarette ashtray, should I say. Yes, I'd much prefer a candy jar than an ashtray that I'm just never going to use because there's no way I'm smoking and giving myself an asthma attack. Yeah. Crash barges in. He was supposed to be the kind of caretaker for the office while the acolytes were injured. 
he's all, what have you done to the place? <laughs> and hilariously, Tess and Albert are like, see? He throws the tablecloth over at Tess and challenges him to a match. Tess closes the segment by threatening, you're done, Max Mini. You're not fooling anyone. Max Mini. Do you know who that is, Kyle? No. <laughs> I can't remember what they called it. WWF had like a dedicated little people division in 1997, but they were booked kind of like WCW's cruiserweights. Yeah. There's a particular name for that style of wrestling in Mexico. I don't really know what it translates to over here, but yeah, Max Mini was one of those guys, just kind of like a little person luchador. That cues our third match of the night. It's a hardcore rules match. Tess coming out with Trish Stratus is taking on Crash. Crash threw a trash can in the ring and then Tess immediately threw it back out at his head. (laughs) He leaps off the stage with a bin lid for a two count. And backstage, we see the real hardcore champion. It's the lethal weapon, Random Steve. Random Steve, Random Steve fills out any match card. Random Steve, Random Steve fills out any match card. (laughs) Random Steve. What a ledge. What a legend. Crash choked out Test with his T-shirt and then got a close near fall after making Tess knock Trish Stratus off the apron, and then also gets a near fall with a tornado DDT. Did you catch this? JR was mentioning Adam Sandler is supposedly going to be on SmackDown promoting Little Nicky. Yeah, I caught that. Did he actually go on SmackDown? Yeah, it was like he only turned up in like pre-recorded clips, hanging out with people backstage. It was just like, look at all of our superstars Adam Sandler wants to hang out with. Oh, but he especially wanted to hang out with The Rock, and that's where they ended it. Ah, like, they didn't show him, like, front row in the crowd or anything like they usually do with celebs. Yeah. Very weird. And you wouldn't know he was doing anything for Little Nicky. It's not like when Samuel L. Jackson was in WWF New York as Shaft. Another... Near fall for Crash with a top rope drop kick, but then Test kicked Crash's face off with his big boot. <laughs> he put Crash in the trash, whacked a crutch into the trash can, and then with Crash still in the trash can, hit the top rope elbow, and that got the three count after three minutes and six seconds. What did you think, Kyle? I mean, it was just your normal average hardcore match, wasn't it? Pretty much just a bunch of moves, really. The trash can spots at the end were the biggest highlight for me. Yeah. Then in episode 40, we'd find Steve the next week on Raw in one of my overriding memories of him, defending his hardcore championship against Kane. Our new Hall of Famer is backstage with Michael Cole. He's talking about how the world won't accept him because he's different. People want Jericho instead because he's pretty. The more you cheer for him, the more I hate him. The more you want to see him, the more I want to end him. If the world won't accept the freak, then I'll give the world the monster. Love it. (laughs) He's got a hardcore title match with Random Steve later tonight. And after he wins the title, he's going to challenge Jericho to a title defense so that he can do whatever the hell he wants to Jericho and it will be legal. Everybody loves random Steve. 
Random Steve, random Steve fills out any Max card. Random Steve, random Steve fills out any Max card. I was recording with Lee yesterday and he was telling me how he's got the random Steve jingle stuck in his head. <laughs> I was so excited when I borrowed this tape with Seb and I saw that Kane was getting a hardcore title match. Kane was still one of my favourite wrestlers back then and I just wanted him to win the title. Yeah. This feud was very complicated for me because I also really, really liked Jericho and I couldn't accept the fact that Kane was the bad guy in this feud. It's interesting, isn't it, when you you like different guys, especially in this era, you know, people that you liked and you're like, I don't want you to be a bad guy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I just had to put it up, put up with it for the the long haul with Triple H, unfortunately, but there we go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he was never a bad guy in your eyes. Never, ever, ever. (laughs) On to our fifth match of the night, the one I'm most excited about. It's for the WWF Hardcore title. Kane challenges the champion, the lethal weapon, Random Steve Blackman. <laughs> Yay! Kane comes out and King is trying to get Lillian's attention. Get out of the ring, Lillian! He hates beautiful people! They start brawling on the ramp and Blackman gets hung up on the guardrail. Then, fuck me, he comes right back with a flying butterfly kick leaping off the guardrail. <laughs> Unreal. He does a drop toe hold to counter Kane's bin lid shot, but then Kane dodged the inside heel kick and hit his own lid shot and the sidewalk slam. Steve crushed Kane on the ropes. There's a lot of that going on tonight. And attacks him with his martial arts sticks. He slides underneath the Irish whip into a low blow with a stick. Kane kicks Steve's top rope trash can away and power slams him onto the lid. He goes to attack with the steel steps, but out comes Chris Jericho and he whacks the stairs right into Kane's head using a steel chair, which allows Blackman to cover for the free count and retain his title after four minutes and 50 seconds. This is a perfect example of me being conflicted here. Jericho did something cool, but Kane didn't win the title. It was a solid enough garbage match. Steve's weapons are always fun and there was decent stuff involved in them. What did you think, Kyle? I agree. I I love a good hardcore match. I particularly remember the finish and being, you know, really impressed with, you know, the chair shot and the stairs being stuck on his head. And it was really cool and something different that I'd not, you know, necessarily seen before. One of the coolest things about doing the Tape Trader Diaries is you get to learn brand new things about shows that you enjoyed in the past. When Armageddon 2000 rolled around, Kyle and I were aghast to find that a random medical condition had robbed us of another appearance of Random Steve. We're now on to our main event of Sunday Night Heat. It's Scotty Too Hotty, accompanied by Grandmaster Sexy, taking on Lowdown's D-Lo Brown, accompanied by Chaz and Tiger Ali Singh. Kyle, I can't believe we missed out here. This was supposed to be a six-man tag team match on the actual pay-per-view. Lowdown and Tiger Ali Singh were going to team up against Too Cool. And did you hear who their tag partner was supposed to be? Go on. Random Steve! Oh, no! Random Steve, man! We missed out on Random Steve. Ah. 
Random Steve, random Steve fills out any Max card. Random Steve, random Steve fills out any Max card. He was ill with bleeding ulcers, and so Mick Foley booked this match instead. Wow. I'll tell you what, random Steve with a random injury there. <laughs> yeah, very random. Aww. No random Steve fix today, although we still got him in the podcast. I would have brought us full circle as well. Like It's exactly what you were talking about on the first episode. Just put him in there. We need a body <laughs> to team up with some other team. D'Lo actually tried to wrestle with his turban on, which is not a thing I thought Lowdown used to do. No, it was very odd. There's a cool sky-high counter to Scotty's bulldog, and that takes us into the finish. Grandmaster saved Scotty from the frog splash, took out D'Lo's stable mates, and that allows Scotty to hit the worm to get the win. Pretty uneventful match. Yeah. The next time we caught up with Random Steve was the 2001 Royal Rumble. You'd have thought that a man as random as him would really thrive in an environment where the look of the draw mattered. Unfortunately, it didn't quite pan out. Appropriately enough, the man who drew number 10 at random is out next, and it's Random Steve! Woo! Random Steve, random Steve fills out any Max card. Random Steve, random Steve fills out any Max card. Conveniently, his sticks were already in the ring in a duffel bag that Al Snow brought in there. He gets to work on everyone, and then number 11, Grandmaster Sexay, comes out. He attacks random Steve with some random nunchucks. Kane then no-sells a low blow from Raven and decides, fuck it, and attacks everyone with a bin, including a shot that immediately eliminated the Grandmaster. Random Steve tried to skin the cat back in, but Kane whacked him in the head with a bin lid. (laughs) He goes on a rampage, eliminating Blackman, Snow, Raven, and Saturn. Alas, all good things must come to an end, and by the time we rolled around to covering Backlash 2001... We met Random Steve in his final pay-per-view appearance for the WWF. Having a random meal in WWF New York, it's Random Steve! Yeah, my boy! Random Steve, Random Steve fills out any match card. Random Steve, Random Steve fills out any match card. JR asks him about Shane's match. And Blackman says he didn't think Shane would even wrestle again after the SummerSlam match. Praises him for his guts. His tag team partner, Grandmaster Sexay, interrupts to break it down for us. The big show is bad and he fixes all whack. But he just got booyed by Shane O'Mac. Give us some. Give us some. Give us some, dog. Give us some. Are you ready for some more sad news, Kyle? Oh no. This is the last appearance of Random Steve on WWF pay-per-view. So it's probably the last appearance we'll have of him on the Tate Trader Diaries. Goodbye, Steve. He's paired with the Grandmaster here while Scotty Too Hotty was injured. But then Grandmaster got released later on in the year and that broke up the team, actually. Blackman will then end up as the random bodyguard of Trish Stratus. 
the super serious guy who was totally oblivious to her sexuality and help her get changed backstage and not blink and stuff like that. He last appeared on WWF TV on the June 25th Raw that year, helping out with a random plot against the WCW invasion. Now, I couldn't get confirmation of this, but from what I understood, he had a neck injury, and so he took time off recuperating, and he based himself at Heartland Wrestling Association, which was one of WWF's developmental territories. But then, unfortunately, that didn't work out, and he let his contract run down and finally left in October of 2002. It's an emotional moment, Kyle. It is. It really is. Talk us through your favourite random Steve memories. My favourite random Steve memories is the nunchucks. Absolutely love the nunchucks. And his seeing Steve Blackman wear a cheese head. Oh, oh dear. That is also up there. Team head cheese was, was cool. And seeing him just kick ass in the hardcore division. I think they're my definitely my good memories of him. Yeah, I loved that I got to see him in, in the match with Kane in our series. That, that's a big memory of mine, and it was fun to revisit that. Safe to say, though, I did not get the double entendre of head cheese as, as a child. <laughs> An emotional moment indeed. But Random Steve, being a law unto himself, gave us a quick epilogue as we discovered his participation in the 2001 King of the Ring. So in the run-up to the show, there were qualifiers that were held. Started on the June 4th Raw, where Jeff Hardy beat Matt Hardy. They like having the Hardys wrestle each other this year, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're at it at the Royal Rumble. We'll see them at it again in a later edition of the Tape Trader Diaries as well. Rhino beat Taz on that show as well. On the June 7th Smackdown, Kurt Angle beat Hardcore Holly and Edge beat Test. And on the June 11th Raw, Christian beat Kane and Perry Saturn, the bastard, he beat Random Steve. Oh. Random Steve, Random Steve fills out any match card. Random Steve, Random Steve fills out any match card. I thought that after the last episode, that was it for Random Steve, but we've still been able to get him into this episode. Yeah. Perry Saturn, you dick. <laughs> I know. We could have had a bigger run with him in this show if it wasn't for Perry Saturn. Oh, fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kyle, what a journey. Yes, what a journey. What have you loved the most about having Random Steve as part of a podcast? The running thread for me with, with Random Steve is he has never had a clear direction. <laughs> right? But for anybody else, not having a clear direction would be seen as a negative. However, Steve picked that ball up and ran with it. He yes. was in everything and did it to the best that he could do and that's why we love him agreed i loved when he just snuck up on us from out of nowhere when we were least expecting like how we were robbed of seeing him at armageddon 
Yeah. <laughs> and what I really love most of all is I now literally keep an eye out for Steve Blackman related content through all of our pals, especially on Twitter. Have we had a Steve Blackman update recently? You know, other than the Matt Hardy picture, has there been anything? That convention appearance is probably the closest we've got. Remember, he used to have that Dog the Bounty Hunter-esque show that he took to pilot, and I don't think it got picked up. Ah, right, okay. But that would be fucking mint. Like, there's a bailiff at your door, random Steve's there, you're going to do whatever the fuck he wants you to do. Absolutely. So I just want to give a quick shout out to some of our favourite random Steve moments and bits of media and interactions with friends since he first made his way onto our podcast. First off, I absolutely need to thank Martin Dixon for his ace artwork that you'll see in the show art. That was absolutely wonderful to see. If you need some art commissioned or anything, he's open to commissions at Bunny Suicida. Also got to give a big shout out to at Bad WWE Stats on Twitter. They ran a Twitter poll tournament on who the greatest hardcore champion of all time was. And of course, our boy Random Steve came through. Yep. And he also semi-regularly does, I guess, like a another fan poll fantasy booking thing called snooker slam where he's the tag team champions with steve davis as the interesting steves like i said anything he does he's shit hot on it mm. kyle were you aware of his career before he properly debuted i sort of thought that he was obviously a martial artist but didn't he do you know the Showing off your physique sort of thing. Did he do that? Oh, now that would make sense. Because I stumbled upon a shot of him. He was actually wrestling all the way back as far as the early 1990s. And he got his start in Stampede Wrestling. I found a photo of him and he looked jacked, man. He looked like a big pile of boulders. Just huge. (laughs) And then he caught a really serious bout of malaria. Like, he had to learn everything from scratch after that and changed everything about his body. And it wasn't until 1997 when he finally got to actually come back to wrestling. Wow. That just makes him even more incredible. The fact that it was essentially two years or something that he was bedridden. Yeah. And having to then relearn everything. Like... Serious stuff. Now, as far as post-wrestling life goes, I am 100% certain this will be another person. But somebody shared a photo of the credits for The Umbrella Academy on Netflix. And in the opening, it says, Created for television by Steve Blackman. That would be awesome if it was, but do we think it is? Not at all, but just imagine (laughs) if it was. I mean, the show is incredible, so if it was, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) 
couple of stories for you here. There's an extract from Harker Holly's autobiography about a encounter that Random Steve had with one Mr. John Bradshaw Layfield. I think I, I know exactly which story you're going to tell now. At Kansas City Airport, Steve and I were waiting around when Bradshaw came over. It was an early morning flight and John was still drunk from the night before. He started patting Steve's ass. Steve said, John, I don't play that shit! Knock it off! John patted him again. And again. Steve was getting brutally pissed. He told him, John, next time you do that, I'm gonna knock your fucking teeth out! So of course, John did it again. Steve whipped around and backhanded Bradshaw, popping him with jabs in the face. John started swinging and missing, and his head was snapping back with each of Steve's jabs. Steve stepped back, planning to kick Bradshaw's knees out, but he got his leg caught in a bag handle. Al Snow and I grabbed Steve, Ron Simmons grabbed John, and we pulled them apart. John was walking back and forth like a bandy rooster looking to fight. Before we left, Steve told him, I'm gonna fucking kill you! He meant it too. We got our car and got on the road. Ken Shamrock was riding with us. Me, Blackman and Shamrock. That's a dangerous car, and I'm the warm one. A teddy bear compared to the other two. That whole journey, Shamrock was poking and prodding Steve, telling him that Bradshaw was going to beat his ass. Steve wasn't saying a word. And who did we see when we checked into the hotel? Bradshaw and Ron were right there. The boys don't always stay at the same hotels, so it was a complete coincidence and not a good one for John. He came over to apologise and Steve said, No apologies! I'm gonna finish you later! Then walked off. We found him in the gym, still boiling mad. Once we were in the arena and had sat down in catering, John walked in. Everyone went silent as Steve stood up. He said, If you've got something to say to me, you say it now, I'm going to finish you in front of everybody. Bradshaw walked over, apologised and said, I shouldn't have fucked with you and shook his hand. That was the end of it. Steve sat down and said, Bob, if it wasn't for that bag, John would be in intensive care right now. Trust me, I believe it. If anyone could put Bradshaw in a hospital with one kick, it's Steve Blackman. <laughs> wow. Don't mess with him is sort of the, the highlight of that story. What a fucking hero. Absolutely. All the petty shit that Bradshaw would pull in his locker room days. I'm sure Bradshaw will fully admit that he deserved what was coming to him. Yeah. And from other stories I've read, he seemed like a right dick back in the day, Bradshaw, with all his yeah. hazing nonsense that he would do. I found a Steve Blackman fact for you. Go on. He essentially had two debuts for WWF. He first debuted in 1989. <gasps> oh, wow, okay. Right. He only had one match. He fought David Sammartino. Napo baby, David Sammartino. Yeah. <laughs> the son, obviously, of Big Bruno. And he won. Nice. 
And then he disappeared from television. And to get back to WWF, he was really good friends with Owen Hart and Brian Pillman. Oh, and yeah. They okay. then got him his tryout for him to then re-sign once he'd got better after being ill. Uh, so th- there's that Stampede connection again. Yeah. Sweet. This is probably one of my favourite pieces of Steve Blackman media to round things off. I've got Steve Blackman's personality profile from WWF magazine. (laughs) These magazines can err on the side of kayfabe, but I fully believe that these are all things that they ask Steve for, and these are all honest answers. Okay. (laughs) Favourite band slash singer? ACDC. Favourite workout music? Biggest thrill in life? The time a friend and I were stuck off the coast of Florida in the middle of a storm. We were in a 15-foot boat flying over 20-foot waves. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I still think that the storm was the underdog in that story there. Absolutely. That storm did not want a roundhouse for a <laughs> <laughs> Person you would most like to meet? Bruce Lee. Favourite sport besides wrestling? Controversial here, saying wrestling's a sport in WWF magazine. <laughs> it's McMahon's on the fucking phone cursing them out. Editor's been sacked. <laughs> I swear to God, bro, it was a mistake, bro. <laughs> I meant sports entertainment, bro. Favourite sport besides wrestling? Football. Favourite athlete? Barry Sanders. No clue who that is. Favourite television show, Seinfeld. Interesting. Hobbies, working out and going to the beach. (laughs) What a guy. (laughs) Favourite food, steak. Favourite fast food, chicken McNuggets. Oh, he's a (laughs) nuggie. He loves his nuggies. Owen Hart's by him furious. I am not a nugget. Favourite actor, Clint Eastwood. I have a huge collection of his movies. Again, I can see that. That makes sense. Favourite actress, I don't have one. I like them all. (laughs) (laughs) Favourite movie, The Outlaw Josie Wales. No idea. Maybe it's a Clint Eastwood movie. He did loads of westerns, didn't he? Oh, he's he's probably got about 800 films to his name. If I could have done it differently, I would have continued playing baseball after college. Oh, interesting. And then he gets asked for his secret talent and he says, I'm good at baseball. Well, it's probably not so secret now that you've said that you played baseball in college. Surprise! (laughs) Best advice ever received? Anything that's worth having doesn't come easy. That's a good motto, that. Favourite video game? Churrock. Oh, what a game. To be honest, I'm surprised he's not saying Goldeneye. Slaps only mode. (laughs) Do you know, I played that game so much when I was a kid that I broke the game. Mm. But it wouldn't work. (laughs) 
slamming it into the N64. It's Goldeneye! It's Goldeneye! It's Goldeneye! And essentially damage the inside of it. But I'm able to relive all that history. They've re-released it as a port on Xbox and mm-hmm. Nintendo Switch. So I've played the first two levels and yeah, I'm really enjoying it. The graphics are absolutely... They've not been improved at all. <laughs> Bobbins, in it. Yeah, okay. I wish somehow they could have put that remaster out that leaked, that was like in the style of the Perfect Dark remaster. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, I got a digital copy of Rare Replay so that I had it, and I'm on like the nighttime version of that snow level, the bunker in the satellite or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I thought. I was probably just really shit at it when I first had it because I was young and because the controls were fiddly. Well now I'm on like two sticks and I'm still doing things on the like middle agent and not the double O agent. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you get like suggested complete times. It's like, finish this in three minutes. Like, you fucking what? (laughs) Yeah. It takes me three minutes to aim at one of these people sometimes. (laughs) To round things off, he was asked... For his favourite cartoon character. His response. I don't watch cartoons. That's such a Steve comment. If there was ever a more aggressively heteromasculine profile than that. I don't think I'll be able to find it. But he somehow makes it work. Brilliant. We've each picked our favourite random Steve matches. Kyle, we'll start with you. What was your pick? So my pick was the very fun, very hardcore SummerSlam match with Shane McMahon at SummerSlam 2000. The pinnacle. Absolutely. Did you check out some of the interviews that they tried to grab with Shane beforehand? Yes. (laughs) Michael Cole was interviewing him and Shane abandoned it when random Steve was randomly walking through the corridor. But the cheek of Michael Cole, though, he was only interested in asking Shane about Kurt kissing Stephanie. (laughs) Then, just before his actual match, Lillian popped up and was asking him about it again. And Shane's all, uh, what the fuck? I'm about to head out for my match. (laughs) And so Random Steve again chases him off with a garbage can and a kendo stick, declaring, It's time to party! Steve was wrestling Test last Monday on Raw, then got attacked by Albert, Edge and Christian, which set Shane up to come in with a kendo shot to win the championship. Commissioner at the time, Mick Foley, suspended the 24-7 rule under the proviso that Shane defended the title against Blackman here tonight. Steve offered Shane the kendo stick at the start to try and coax him in the ring. And Shane just kept throwing it back at him, you know, like the fans in the Hammerstein ballroom throwing the t-shirt back at John Cena. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, I don't want your kendo stick. It took Steve turning his back on Shane to take the bait, but Blackman still caught him, which cues Shane running through the crowd, and ingeniously... Steve approached from the other side of the crowd and flew off the beaches with a trash can shot. Fucking ace. He follows it up with a flying butterfly kick off the guardrail. 
He kneecaps Shane with a bin lid, declares, This is my house! And essentially does a spinning back fist with a bin lid to the back of Shane's head. Shane then is hilariously stuffed in a trash can. So he's walking around and he's like that guy in The Simpsons where Homer's getting chased by someone from the Egg Council. And it's just literally an egg with legs. (laughs) So one of those Egg Council creeps got to you too, huh? You got it all wrong, Homer. It's not like that. You'd better run, Egg! Steve attacks with sticks. A back suplex with the stick to the balls. And then locks Shane in a sick half-Boston crab while choking him with a leather strap. Jesus. It was really weird seeing Shane's face that he was pulling when Steve Blackman was doing that. I was like, I'm sure you can struggle differently to how you were you portraying yourself. <laughs> That draws out Test and Albert. Test does his top rope elbow drop into the bin lid, which finally makes Shane brave enough to start jabbing Blackman, and he hit a sick flying sign shot. King points out that all of this triple teaming just shows that Blackman has no friends. Well, I'm sure he's made a bunch more friends through this podcast now. I hope so. Steve, we are your friends. <laughs> He avoided getting squashed by a speaker, made Albert accidentally hit Tess with the kendo stick, and then takes out TNA with the stick and chases Shane. For some reason, Shane climbs the Titantron. As commentary put it, he trees himself in this chase, and Blackman starts pursuing him from behind. He whacks him with three shots to the back with the kendo stick. The third one makes Shane plummet off the stage 30 feet to his doom. Steve then scurries down and seals the deal with an elbow drop from 10 feet up on the stage to regain the title after 10 minutes and 17 seconds. It's his third reign as hardcore champion. Right, that finish. Unbelievable. Watching it back, it's still one hell of a finish, but what I found is actually the fall isn't the way that I imagined it in my head. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. He essentially just leaves go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than Steve Blockman going, fuck you, and pushing him off, Shane just gives up, up and goes, no, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> I mean... Props to Shane. He was like the stuntman back then. He'd do like ridiculous stuff. It's a hell of a finish. And then when Steve then jumps on him just to sort of put the exclamation mark on there. It was so fun watching it again. To his credit, he did that elbow drop a bit better than Uncle Howdy did at the Rumble the other week. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Talk to me about this match, Kyle. Why was this your pick? I absolutely love the brutality of it. I know that makes me sound quite hardcore in my views, but (laughs) yeah, essentially just seeing Blackman beat the shit out of Shane McMahon, he was absolutely brutal. The spinning bin lid, I just watched that on repeat. That could be a gif. And the fact that Shane McMahon takes all the punishment, you know, give him credit there. He just... He absolutely takes it 100%. And 
back then, 2000s were peak hardcore matches. And in this match, he sort of got absolutely everything out of the ring, into the crowd, back into the ring, interference, back out the ring, lots of weapons used. And then the cherry on top is what nobody expected was the, the finish. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. This still holds up, actually. It's categorically the biggest match of Steve's career. Yeah. Reportedly, this was all Shane's idea because he really liked Steve and wanted to put him over. Short term, mission accomplished. Although, it set up more of a legacy for Shane than Steve. Yeah. Just by virtue of Shane essentially repeating this spot six or seven different times. Still, it distills everything that made Blackman's run at the top of the hardcore division fun. All in a single match. You had smarts, toughness, almost toying with your opponent with all the cool weapon attacks. And taking the concept of hardcore to new places. Yeah. JR and King were quite jovial going through this match at first because King had just beaten Taz in the previous match. And... That almost added to the shock of the finish in a way because Steve was only really toying with Shane at the start and you almost didn't expect him to go that far, but he did and there's your iconic moment. Yeah. I think for me the most random moment of this match was flying off the guardrail of the butterfly kick. My pick of a match to highlight Random Steve actually comes from the next month. It's an Unforgiven 2000. It's the Hardcore Open Invitational for the WWF Hardcore Championship. Blackman's the defending champion against the European champion, Al Snow, Crash, Funaki, Test, accompanied by Trish Stratus, and Perry Saturn, accompanied by Terry. I had this on tape growing up and I love this in my memory this kind of again typified what I associate with Steve and his hardcore run as European champion Al Snow has decided to represent Italy tonight including Italian lyrics to his entrance song wearing a leather jacket sunglasses and hats for both him and head and he presented JR with a dead fish Presented Michael Cole with a portrait of Tony Danza and giving the Spanish announced team some pizza. Anything Italian that you think I was missing here, Kyle? I mean, these sort of characters that Al Snow had at the time were just your typical, what's the first few things we can think of, of being an Italian? Let's throw you out there with pizza. Let's throw you out there with... <laughs> like, there was no hard thinking about it. Like... Oh, I need you to go out there, big Canadian. So I'm just going to give you some maple leaf syrup. Oh, like, <laughs> no, you're going out, out there and you're being British. So you need to wear Union Jack pants. It's like, it's like, come on, man. Think, think outside the box. <laughs> I was expecting at least to come out with a coffee the size of a thimble or something. Yeah, shot glass coffee. <laughs> This match has a 10-minute time limit and the hardcore title can change hands at any point in the match, but the match will still continue until the 10 minutes are complete. 
and the person with the title at the end of the 10 minutes gets to remain champion and they'll be given a 24-hour grace period on the 24-7 rule. Crash tried to jump Steve in the aisle but gets kicked. And then Blackman swats Perry's tope out of midair with a bin lid shot. Only for Test to gorilla press Funaki over the top and onto Blackman. This is off to an epic start already. Interesting rules, you have to pin the champion to gain the title. I wish we'd do more of that kind of thing, you know? It's a different sort of dynamic. It kind of threw me when they said that because in normal matches, it would be you would pin anyone in a storytelling wise that would be essentially to protect the champion from having a pin loss or, you know, whatever. Very odd. Yeah, it's kind of just like they have resumed the 24 7 rules for 10 minutes. You've got to get the champion as per normal. There you go, I've had it. Mm. Saturn is great in this match. He hits a nice Northern Light suplex and then levels Tess with a crescent kick. We then get a bunch of antics with the managers, both nicking Al Snow's head, which leads to JR declaring, Saturn just gave Trish head! And Tess just gave Terry head! And I saw one of the heads, and the head looked at me! So many head innuendos that they tried to shoehorn in in that segment. Speaking of the devil, Michael Cole chipped in. The use of Al Snow's head is perfectly legal in this matchup. <laughs> Appropriately, Crash crashed and burned trying a flying Hurricane Rana on Al. Saturn then flew out of nowhere with a moonsault to the crowd on the outside. Dramatically, just as Steve grabs a trash can, Tess big boots it back in his face. Then after a bin lid attack, Crash is able to steal the pin and become the new champion in his 12th reign as hardcore champion. Unfortunately, when he went sprinting back up the aisle to escape the chaos, Perry Saturn just wallops him with a bin and becomes the new champion himself in only his second reign. Pinning him like Rhea Ripley. Oh yeah! (laughs) (laughs) We're about halfway through the match and the bin lid shots are raining in as Steve smartly is laser-focused on the new champion. The fight goes through the crowd, and JR declares, There's nobody here in the ring except Trish and Terry. And that ain't a bad thing at all. Horny cowboy emoji comes up on the screen. (laughs) Back in the ring, Perry finds a kendo stick, so Steve one-ups him with a pair of his own martial arts sticks that he does a commanding routine to show his dominance with. He takes out both Saturn and Al. There's a little over a minute left and Steve is dominating with the kendo stick which culminates in a shot right between the eyes to Saturn allowing him to get the free count and become the new champion. Uh, I think that's his fourth reign. He starts leaving so everybody starts attacking him but nobody gets a chance to cover which allows Steve to retain. Kyle, what did you think of this one? I really, really enjoyed it. Some of the notes that I put down was like so many head innuendos. <laughs> Unbelievable amount. How many headshots were in that? Mm-hmm. Literally everyone had a full hit on the head. And then I'd written down as I was watching it how random that 
Saturn disappears with Fanaki. And literally, just as I'd wrote that, he comes out and <laughs> gets the pin. And I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> See, Saturn's another guy that's just a, a law unto himself. Yeah. My other thing is, did you notice that I love you Triple H signed? Oh, no, I did not, no. Right on the front row. <laughs> you could see it very clearly right at the beginning when Tess threw Fanaki over the ropes. And <laughs> the camera pans up and you just see this green sign, I love you, Triple H. I was like, hey! <laughs> Overall, I thought that it was a very fun match, you know. For a hardcore title, it had everything in it. This was fun. Not going to lie, it felt a lot more epic as a kid. The time felt way longer when you were a kid. It basically boiled down to trading weapon shots for longer than I remembered, but you still get a trademark random Steve flourish there at the end. And the overall story is still a defining one for Steve for me. He took on all comers. When he got caught out by surprise, he focused on the man that had the title until he devastated the field and got his title back. Then, when he was satisfied with his work, he declared, It's still mine! and started to leave the carnage and then survived everyone trying to do a number on him again. I think my most random moment from it was Tess kicking the garbage can back in Steve's face. I was shocked when that happened. It came out of nowhere. Yep. Well, Kyle, alas, all good things must come to an end. To round things off, we're covering the final match Steve ever had in the WWE. It's from the Raw 15th anniversary show from December 2007. And it's just a battle royal of past names, kind of in the vein of the gimmick battle royal from WrestleMania X7. This is available online, both on Daily Motion and on WWE's YouTube page. But on WWE's YouTube page, for some reason, they cut out Steve's entrance, which is a bit of a bummer. Yeah, you don't want that. Watch nah. Steve's entrance. Participants in this one are Al Snow, Bart Gunn, who came out to the Brawl for All music. Yeah. <laughs> Doink the Clown, Repo Man. Our man Random Steve, who got a fair but visceral pop from the crowd, and he is in fucking phenomenal shape. Yeah. We've also got Pete Gas, Bob Backlund, Vagoon, Skinner, IRS, Flash Funk, Gangrel, Scotty Too Hotty, who'd only been gone for like two years by this point. Jimmy Anvil Neidhart, Sergeant Slaughter, and when he comes out, JR pokes fun at his just-for-men black moustache. And then rounding out the field is Gilberg, and JR declares, Well, you can't be first, but you can be next. Gilberg, Gilberg. <laughs> it still makes me laugh his entrance with the sparklers. <laughs> oh, what a field, eh, Kyle? Oh, wow. <laughs> Random Steve makes Gilbert jump when he gets in the ring and then directs traffic to make sure that the rest of the field gorilla press Gilbert out in front of the hard cam. See, he's been away for six years and he still knows his shit. You have to make 
train professionals retrain at the performance center for like two years to learn that shit, but Steve uh-uh, never forgets it. <laughs> he does lots of stomps and elbows and it looked really good, really sharp and crisp. The next guy out is Bob Backlund. He's a bloody former WWF champion. Yeah. They've not worked this properly, have they? No. Like, imagine if CM Punk came back for this kind of match now and he was, like, the second guy out. Steve trades shops with Bart and Al gets head. He uses his head to eliminate Doink and Gangrel. Steve's attacks call Al to drop his head, which sets Al up to be eliminated by a nice flying kick by Flash Funk. Batman gets gas on the apron, then dodges Bart's charge, so Bart eliminates gas, and then Steve tosses Bart out, only to fall victim to a dramatic judo flip over the top rope by Flash that eliminates both Flash and random Steve. At the very least, in trademark random Steve fashion, he is fucking staring daggers at Bart Gunn and Flash Funk when he got out of there. (laughs) He's like, you bastards, you're eliminating me. I'm going to rip your heads off. (laughs) There's some terrible miscommunication as Repo Man eventually clotheslines the goon out. Then Repo gets eliminated by Anvil. Anvil gets eliminated by Skinner, and we're already down to our final four. It's Skinner, Slaughter, IRS, and Scotty Too Hotty. IRS hit a really good clothesline on Scotty, but then his briefcase attack backfired, and Scotty hits the worm! He then gets immediately thrown out by Skinner, who escapes the Cobra Clutch, but still gets eliminated by Sergeant Slaughter, and then from behind, IRS sneaks in and throws Sergeant Slaughter out. He appears to be the winner, but hold on. Before he can be announced as such, here comes the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. And he bribes IRS to eliminate himself, resulting in Ted being declared the winner. Million dollar man then declares, For all the 15 years, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. Yeah. Do you know what I noticed with the laugh that he did? Go on. They'd clearly got the laugh on a mixing deck to make it echo. And when he'd done his last laugh and he was handing the microphone back, you could still hear it going, ha! <laughs> well, but that is how his entrance music starts as well. So they might have just started it like really close to him finishing his actual laugh. Yeah, well, it was literally as, as he put the mic down... You know, like, they were fading his laugh on the mic. Oh, right. Like, it went quieter. It was like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I was like, it's like you've just thrown a laugh. Dibiase <laughs> 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 wins after five minutes and 45 seconds. Look, it lacked the charm of the gimmick Battle Royal, but it was worth it because Steve was in great shape. It was great to see him again, and he got a couple of decent plot points in the match. Yeah. Bonus points for that twist ending as well. Yeah, definitely. Didn't see that coming. I thought Daddy Bray Wyatt would win. (laughs) That might wrap up the in-ring career of Random Steve, but as long as we're around, his legacy is going to live on for a long, long time. Absolutely. And I've decided that 
Steve Blackman is like the wrestling version of Chuck Norris. He can do anything. Yes. So thank you again, everybody, for listening to us and coming and celebrating our birthday with us. Hope you've had a nice time. Yes, thank you very much for listening. Like I said earlier on in the episode, it means a lot that so many of you listen to our podcasts and you know we'll continue to produce these podcasts for you to listen to because me and Dunk enjoy it so much. Yeah, come join us again for our next episode. It's actually really literally going to be the November 19th, 2001 episode of Raw, the night after Survivor Series, all the fallout from the invasion ending. It's going to be a good one. So in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at TNW Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at TNW underscore podcast. Give us a like on Facebook. That way you'll stay up to date with all of the releases of our latest episodes. Give us a follow on SoundCloud. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And of course, give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Help us get us into the good books of the algorithm or whatever. Thank you for celebrating our birthday. It's a goodbye from Kyle. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. It's a goodbye from me. I'll catch you down the road.